and welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are Qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London Podcast and on our websites, guideemily.com and alexlacey.com as well as our dedicated website, ladieswholondon.com for more information about us our upcoming tours and what the blue badge guiding qualification is all about slick we're slick now we're so slick this week we're slick next week it'll be back to being chaos exactly well Alex my phone Lacey. is pinging off the hook at the moment i don't know what's happening as we, as we were recording it was just pinging away no idea no idea. Popular anyway, how are you, Emily Dell? I am very well, Alex Lacey. Good. I'm feeling the spooky dookie, spooky dookie vibes. Yeah. Oh, I, lo- I love Halloween. I love it. Me it's too. so good. And you're currently sat in the dark. Yeah, I am. Because I just didn't quite get around to putting the lights on. So, uh, I'm, so yeah. busy. You can't even go to the light switch and just give it a flick. Very busy and important, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. I can just see much the kind of like red do. beam from certain electrical devices over there attached yeah, to the wall. Absolutely. So if I freak you out, if something goes behind me tonight, <gasps> yes, we can don't, don't oh, tell me because yes. I'm not sure. A flying orb or something. <laughs> something like that or or spring Hill jack who we're going to talk yes. about tonight yes. uh, um now before we get going um have you got any shout outs to do i've got a couple of shout outs actually oh fabulous um my first shout out is to uh, a woman <laughs> a woman <laughs> a lovely woman called carol blunsden Hi, Carol. (laughs) Hi, Carol. Carol sent a really lovely message saying that she's been listening to our podcast and um, really, really enjoying it. So thank you very much, Carol. And I've also got a shout out to a lady called Evangeline who messaged us. Hi, such a really nice message saying that the podcast has kind of given her a lot of happiness. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. And you did. You have a bit of a confession because you didn't read it for like two weeks. Did you? I didn't. And well, actually, we both didn't read it. Actually, well, that's that's true. That's Don't just true. pin it on me, dude. Don't just pin it on me. I know I post things on Instagram, but you also have the ability to check it as well. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to pin it on you anyway. <laughs> so yes. Thank so sorry, you so Evangeline, much. that we didn't get back to you earlier, but um, we hope we hope things are turning turning up a bit for you. Yes. She's having a bit of a tough time. So Indeed. Um, thanks Indeed. for getting in touch and saying yeah, hi. Thank you. Well, onward into now we well actually no before onward into our spooky Halloween episode. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you've really got to work on your spooky laughing. It's like step toe and sun. Falling down the stairs. Like you need a bit of help. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'll do the sound of an opening coffin. <laughs> it didn't pick it up, mate. It didn't pick did it up. Okay. Try, try it again. Go on, do it again. Yeah, that was better. <laughs> I'm here for any sound bites, guys. If anyone um, needs anyone. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> so anyway, the um, podcast pedestal for Amoba Ina from last yes. week. Um, yeah, and did, so you said you didn't know anything about her? No. No, no. I found it absolutely fascinating. Um, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. And there were so many different things we could have chosen for the podcast pedestal. Because there were just so yeah. many different ways her life kind of went. So many things happened. And she's someone I hadn't really heard of until recently either. And it was that, it's that kind of thing of what we've been doing is, well, I think you've been doing the same thing as me. When we sort of hear about something, you think, oh, and you pop it on the little list mm. to, for us for the podcast. And then so I can't remember where I heard about her first. Um, but yeah, she's fascinating. And mm. uh, there we go. So the options for podcast pedestal were... Uh, Queen Victoria um, adopting her or kind of taking her on as a godmother and her leaving Africa, which is a very stark image of her sailing away from the place that she was born and knew for her early mm. years. Mm. Um, so how do you think it went? Well, I think they absolutely <laughs> ate up your option, <laughs> option one. Um I have to say, I, you know, Emily, Emily thinks she's lost this one and she is not happy about it. I'm not happy about it. I looked at my you poll earlier on. don't know if you've on. lost. Alex, come on. Okay. 
I've lost, haven't I? You've I've lost. lost. I've I've lost. Not just. It's not close. I've really lost. No, you've really lost. I've really lost. Give it me was the figures. Twenty-four and a half percent to seventy-five and a half percent. I smashed it. I'm bringing it back, baby. You are. Well, you're bringing it back. You've got to bring it back a yeah, couple more weeks, right. so Alex, because I am. I'm ahead of you. You are ahead. That is. And very I'm. True. I think I'm about three like points it. ahead of you, actually. I don't like it. Anyway, that's that was that week. On to the Halloween week. So we, it's slightly different this week because we are both going to do a, a little bit. And um, we've both picked... Because if anyone was listening last year, you might remember um, our lovely friend Lee, a friend of the podcast who came on recently for our one-year anniversary. He was our guest last Halloween, wasn't he? And we all did a little kind of ghost story. He um, was. And it was fantastic. He was telling us all sorts of stories about ghosts within theatres, wasn't yeah, he? he was. So if you want he to was. listen to that one, if you haven't listened to it already... A bit more... Spoky dokes. Yeah. So would you like to start this week or shall I start? What do you fancy? It's up to you, darling. Well, who are you talking about? Or what are you so, talking about? Well, I'm going to talk about some murders that happened in the year <laughs> 1811. Oh, the goth guy is back. This is a bit gothy, I have to say. This is uh, right down my dark, scary, misty street. <laughs> Go on then, you start. All right, I can be I'll the start. light relief at the end. <laughs> um, now, have you heard about the Ratcliffe Highway murders, Alex? Uh, I think you mentioned this at some point in our planning meetings about things that you might want to do. But other than that, no. Um, okay, so the Radcliffe Highway murders. Now, the Radcliffe Highway um, is, well, it's now just called the Highway. And it's basically in Shadwell. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. they run along that for the marathon, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you were to go on it 24 hours a day, it's really, really busy road. Uh, tobacco dock lies against it. It leads you to the Tower of London. And I want to take you back to a time when it would have been incredibly busy because you would have had the London docks there. So you would have oh, yeah. had people milling around um, all the time. And you also would have had lots of people coming in daily from all sorts of different parts of the world because they would have come on ships, they would have been sailors, and they would have stayed in London, maybe for a couple of nights, or maybe they would have decided to live there. So you've got strangers everywhere you go. So if you live in this area in the early 1800s, it's very rare that you know, if you live like in a town or a village and you go to a pub, you're always going to see the same regulars. Yeah, yeah. At this time, you're going to go into pubs, you're going to go into shops, and there's always people that you don't recognise. Fresh meat. Fresh meat. <laughs> Fresh, juicy meat. Oh, she's taken it too far already. <laughs> so it's 1811. It's December, so it's pretty chilly outside. And it's the 7th of December. And we are at a linen draper shop. Now, this shop is owned by the Mars. You've got Timothy Marr and you've got his wife, Celia. And in there, who also lives there, is an employee called James Gowan and also a mistress called Margaret Jewell. They also have a little mistress. Yeah, not kind of like her. She's not there to kind of keep Timothy and James, you know, happy. (laughs) She's a bit like of the business kind of thing. (laughs) She's part of the business. You know, she keeps, she keeps the, the shop and the house, um, looking fresh. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so she's called Margaret Jewell. There is also a little baby as well, who I think at this point is only 14 weeks. So, uh, a little bubba. Um, Timothy Marr, the, um, the, the main owner of the shop, he used to be a sailor and he worked on a ship called the Dover Castle. And at this point in his life is, is about 50 and he decides to go to London and start a new business. So they've only actually been at this linen draper shop for just a couple of months. Anyway, um, on this particular night on the 7th of December, Coming up to about 11.30pm, Margaret Jewell is asked by Timothy Marr to go down to an oyster shop close by and pick up some oysters for supper. Now, this is pretty normal. The oyster shop is usually open pretty late. And on a Saturday night, you tend to find that there's going to be shops open late because the dockers would finish work. They get paid on a Saturday. So they've got money in their pocket. So there's a lot of things happening during this time. 
Anyway, she goes off to the oyster shop. I already, I already know somebody's going to die. So I'm now sitting here going, who's going to die? <laughs> who's it going to be? Like yes, so amazing. I will, kind of I will tell you that. Crime story. I love it. There is a murder or two. There was a murder or two. Anyway, so um, she heads off to the oyster shop, but the oyster shop is closed. So she decides to retrace her steps and she goes back to Melinda's shop. She sees that it's open. She can see Tim and James are still at work and she thinks, well, I I actually need to go and pay a bill. I need to go and pay an unpaid bill, settle a bill at a baker's. So off she goes. This is about 10 minutes away from the linen shop. She does that. And she comes back and now the linen shop is dark. So it's dark inside, the shutters are down. And she thinks, well, this is a bit strange. And this is obviously her home. She doesn't have a key. So she knocks on the door thinking that somebody is going to obviously let her in. And this is where she hears the sound of footsteps. She thinks, oh, someone's obviously coming to the door. But these footsteps are going away from the door. She then hears the cry of the baby that obviously she would know very well because Mm -hmm. she lives there. So she continues to ring the bell. And after a little while, a watchman comes by and says, look, you're going to have to to stop. You're making a bit of a scene. So she says, well, look, I actually live here. And I'm not too (laughs) sure why they're not opening the shutters to me. At this point, the next door neighbour, a pawnbroker named John Murray, he says that quite recently he heard a baby cry and a young woman shout. And it also sounded like somebody was moving a chair quite <gasps> violently across the room. Oh my God. So the pawnbroker, John Murray, he says, well, what I'll do is I'll go to my back garden, I'll climb over the wall and I'll get into their garden and see if I can see anything going on. At this point, I don't think he ever would have done this if he ever presumed that there was, you know, something... Something up, something horrible. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So the... Why turn a light on? Yeah, right. So (laughs) the watchman and Margaret Jewell, they're standing just by the front door, you know, kind of just waiting to, to see if John Murray can get back there. He does. He manages to get through into the shop because he notices there's a window left open at the back of the shop. So he goes through the window and goes onto the shop floor and instantly he sees that there is blood (gasps) everywhere. And he sees James, the worker, on the ground and his head has been basically battered in. (gasps) There is blood there are bits of his brain upon oh. the counter, upon the wall. You are loving this. <laughs> <laughs> Rubbing my knees. <laughs> no, awful. And um, and then he notices Celia, the wife, Celia Marr, and she is basically um, in exactly the same way. So she has been kind of hit around the head quite aggressively and her throat has been cut oh, and wow. her head is is against the door and just on the other side of the door you've got margaret and the watchman unbeknown to them that just you know a little bit of wood away you've got uh, you've got oh clmr and then they find um uh, timothy mar um and at this point the um the pawnbreaker who's gone in he opens the door and you know is obviously in such a fright and says to margaret and the watchman they're dead they're all dead and at this point there's a massive crowd of people and margaret says well, what about the baby i know where the baby sleeps the baby should be downstairs so they run downstairs and the baby has also been killed <gasps> no mm-hmm mm-hmm vicious very very vicious every all of them have been killed in the same manner whoa now at this point this is 1811 so you don't have the the police you don't have the street police you have um the bow street runners who you've mentioned on a previous um podcast um and we do have the thames police and the thames police just around the corner so they're the ones that get summoned and the first officer on the scene is a man called charles horton now they go up the stairs they have a look around and they find an iron mallet known as a maul this mallet is covered in blood and it is covered in hair how are you feeling about this i mean i'm i'm Equal parts horrified and entranced by the story. Keep going. Great. Right, okay. So 
the mall has been found. There okay. is blood and hair that's been smeared upon it. So there's no uh, if or but. Well, this I don't think it's been smeared on it, has it? It's been, it's been smashed onto it. Yes. Yes, if you like. Um, so this is clearly murder weapon. Now, did the murderer or murderers leave this on purpose or perhaps were they spooked when Margaret rang the bell so they fled? Okay. Footprints were found But she heard the, the baby. The baby was alive when she got there. Yeah, this is true. This is oh. true. So he was he was just behind the door. So maybe <gasps> he was just over the body of Celia Marr at that point, you oh know, God. that close to her. Who knows? Um so they found footprints. There were footprints out the back, which also had blood upon them and also sawdust. And there was sawdust um, in the linen shop. Um, so he would have just like walked it through and into the garden. So people followed where it kind of led to a couple of these footsteps. And it basically led in the direction of the Thames where you've got the docks. And um, they saw a few people down there and they kind of asked, you know, was there anybody that came came through, came past? And a couple of people said, well, there was actually a, a group of men that came past just after midnight. There were about 10 of them. Um, and three of which were caught up. So they caught up to three um, of this big group and they were Greek sailors and they actually had spots of blood. Hang on. <gasps> what? Don't, there are noises. Oh my God, what? Don't, this is horrible. Hang on, I'm turning some lights on. Are there actually? <gasps> oh my God, your kettle just moved. I'm not even joking. Your kettle just moved. <laughs> I feel like I'm watching Poltergeist 4. I'm pretty sure there's oh one, two, and three. Okay. All good? You know ghosts can still get at you when the light's on. I think it's my neighbours. <laughs> I hope it's my neighbours. Oh, gosh. They're not normally here, so I don't normally hear them. What did you hear? A bang? I heard some... Yeah, thuds. Or some footsteps. Don't. Don't do it to me. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, honestly. Um, Okay, so um, three men were detained. They were Greek sailors and they were were seen to have bits of blood upon their trousers. Um, They apparently had an alibi, but they were still taken into prison. Still covered in blood? Come on. But only little specks of blood. And I think if if you were the murderer, you would have been covered in blood. Um, They said that they were actually, it was blood from dealing with animals um, as... um, I think, well, I presume that if they were sailors, the particular uh, produce that they would have been working with that day might have been meat. But at that point in 1811, there was no way of detecting whether it was human blood yeah. or animal blood. So they just, they wouldn't have been able to know. Um, anyway, everybody is spooked, as you can imagine. There's a huge amount of pressure on the police force. Members of the Bow Street gang were kind of called to kind of, uh, you know, kind of look after the streets, look after the people. There was an award, uh, £50 if anybody comes forward. And in 1811, that is a huge amount of money. Um, this was pinned on every door, um, on every church. Everybody knew about it. It wow. really kind of spread quite quickly. Um, And then they started looking at, you know, who was this family? The Marr family had only been in London for a couple of months. They did find that James, who was working with them, his name wasn't actually James Gowan. His last name was Biggs. And a relative came forward and said this isn't actually his identity. Um, But there was nothing else said about that. Um, They didn't match the footprints strange enough they didn't kind of look at the footprints they didn't think that there was anything that they could do anything with the footprints which is mad because even in 1811 you think well you could still kind of you know match up a boot you don't really need any kind of major scientific experiment really no i suppose i guess it wasn't quite the maybe the the variety of shoes and boots that they'd have today, like in tread and things like that. And, yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, Margaret was questioned as well because, you know, was was her story true? The mm. fact that, you know, she was asked to go and get some oysters, but the oyster shop was shut. Conveniently closed, yeah. Conveniently closed. Was she asked by someone to keep away? Um, but she was questioned and that was it from her. 
Um, now, the four victims, they were given a, a memorial service. Apparently, the vicar who was given the service um, was so kind of moved, he had to stop it twice. Really? Um, and in particular, because he was the one that um, christened the baby just oh. three weeks before in the same church, which was St. George in the East. Oh, yeah. And if you go to St. George in the East today, you can see the outer shell of the original St. George in the East. But now if you go in, you've got kind of like a modern, mm. a modern church inside. Um, so this is where they were buried. Wow. Um, now, just a few days later, just <gasps> oh. 12 days later, um, they find that upon the mall, there is actually um, an identity, if you like. It says IP, the initials upon the mall. Oh, so it's not actually theirs. It's not the it's Mars. It's not actually theirs. It's not the Mars. So IP, um, or at least they think it's IP Freely. at this point. IP What's freely. That? IP freely. Don't we all? <laughs> um, very nice, Alex. Um, <laughs> such, a, such a dad joke. <laughs> such a dad joke. Um, now, on this night, so this information is found out about the mall. The mall was cleaned twelve days later, cleaned which is who? incredible. Really, I don't, I don't know, cleaned by who, but I guess it was kind of like placed in the Thames Police Unit, right? Okay, and it was just there. They didn't really know what to do with it. Um, <laughs> I should say as well, you know, people were going into the Mars linen shop and kind of viewing the bodies. This is, of course, at the so time weird, they, isn't it? The they Victorians move the bodies straight away. They move all the bodies up onto the first floor upon the wood. So they're just kind of like laid out next to each other for a couple of days. And so 12 days later, they clean them all and they find, oh, hang on a minute, you know, there's a blooming initials here. <laughs> so IP. Now that evening... Um, just a few kind of a few minutes down the road on the highway, you would have had a public house. It was called the King's Arms, King's Arms Public House. It was on um, a road uh, called Gravel Lane and you had owners there. They were in their 50s. Oh, sorry. I said that um, Timothy Marr was in his 50s. He wasn't. He was actually quite young. He was in oh, okay. his late 20s. Um, the Williamson, sorry, they were in their 50s. So right. you had John and Elizabeth. They'd been there for about 15 years. People knew them. People really loved them. Staying in the pub as well, they had their 14-year-old granddaughter. Okay. And they also had a servant called uh, Bridget Anna Harrington, and she was okay. about 50. Also, um, staying there because it was public house, so you could obviously rent out the rooms if you wanted to, was a man called John Turner, and he'd actually lodged with them for about eight months. Anyway, on this particular night, so 19th of December, a constable called Anderson, who lived just two doors down from the pub, he went in there to go and get some beer to bring it back home. And when he was in there, John, the landlord, expressed concerns and said to the officer, you know, there's there's been this man loitering just outside the pub. He's been wearing like this big jacket. Ooh. If you see him, I think you'd be wise to take him into custody. And the police officer, I say police officer, you didn't really kind of have police yeah, officers, a... but, you know, constable. <clears throat> Anderson says, oh, OK, you know, all right, I will. Um, I will take him into custody. If not for your sake, then maybe for everybody else's. Yeah. Um, Just about... An hour later, the same officer hears cries of murder. Oh, and suddenly God. there is a large crowd just outside the King's Arms pub. He looks over and he sees a half-naked man who has uh, presumably tied some bedsheets together. And he is kind of half-naked coming out of the, the first floor <gasps> onto the street. And he's, he's crying. He is absolutely hysterical. And this is the lodger. Oh, right. Okay. So this is the lodger, John Turner, and he's crying out saying people have been murdered inside. Oh, my God. Um, so Anderson uh, rushes in. He manages to to get in through the back um, uh, of the pub because the front door is, is locked. He manages to get round to the back, goes in, and he sees that uh, the women, the two women are dead first. So this is the, the wife. And also oh, the servant. Oh, the servant, okay. No, not the 14-year-old. So oh, the right. wife, uh, Mrs. Williamson, and the servant, okay. they have had their heads beaten in, their throats cut, oh, there is God. blood everywhere again. And the husband, he has had the same thing that's been done to him as well, um, 
but a little bit different. His hand has nearly been severed off, one of his hands. What? Yes. Now, the granddaughter, so when they went in, you know, this is obviously just a few days after this. It's not even been two weeks. So murder is right at the foreground of people's mind. They would have known what's happened to the previous family. So they're thinking, well, this granddaughter, she's not going to be alive. But she is. She is fast asleep in bed. And this is a strange (gasps) thing. People question how on earth, you know, she's 14. How on earth did she sleep through that? Um. So uh, then well, there's no one questions. else told anything by the sound of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. There's questions. Is this a robbery? Did, did this person who murdered them or people take stuff? And they, they didn't. They actually found over £150 wow. um, uh, in the pub. They, you know, things were there that he could have, he, I say he, it could have been a she, could easily have taken. And that's the same in the Marsh shop as well. Nothing was taken. But perhaps mm. that's because Margaret started banging on the door. We right. don't know. Um, anyway, so people are trying to think about the links. You know, is there a link between the Marr family and the Williamsons? The Mars had only been in London for a couple of months. The Williamsons had been there for about 15 years. Right. Um, now, at this point, a reward goes up for even more money, about £100. And someone comes forward and says that just after the murders in the pub, they saw two men running down the back streets, going over towards kind of tobacco dock area. One was very tall and had a lame leg and oh. one was short. And the short man, uh, sorry, the, the tall man was saying, come along, Mahoney, come along. So they heard this word. It could have been a different word. It could have been a different name, but that's what they thought they heard. Come along, Mahoney, come along. Anyway, news spreads, um, even to the point that it goes all the way around the country to Plymouth. You could find flyers, apparently, you know, for this reward in Plymouth. Um, And Turner, of course, is questioned because he is the man that came out of the window, you know, of all those bedsheets tied, you know, what happened. So he said that he went to bed a few minutes later, he hears Elizabeth, Elizabeth Williamson. She goes into her room and she locks the door. Then five minutes later, he hears banging and he hears her leave her bedroom and go down the stairs. Okay. He then hears Bridget, the servant girl, shout, we shall all be murdered. There are loud, fudding noises and screaming. And then he hears John Williamson scream. A few minutes later, Turner leaves his room. I don't know why he does this, but, you know, if you know about murders, he goes down the stairs, apparently, looks through the door, which is just ajar, and he sees um, Elizabeth Williamson laid there. She's clearly dead. There's blood all around her. And he sees this man, this very tall man, standing over her. And then he bends down and rifles through her pockets. At this point, that's when he goes back to his room and he ties all his sheets together and then out goes, out he goes. And there were questions about how, uh, why he didn't, if he, he would have known that there was the granddaughter there, why he didn't try to save her. But he said, you know, come on, like, you know, you're seeing someone murdered in front of you. You're hardly going to be like, you there. Could I pop through and get the... Like, you're just going to assume they're all dead, aren't you? Just gonna, no, but this is... So the murders are downstairs. The granddaughter, she was on the same floor as his bedroom. Oh, I think I it was see. basically next door to his bedroom. So he could but still, have, you'd just get out. You, you, you would just you get out of there, wouldn't you? would be straight at that point. <laughs> oh, you'd be going in for a closer look, but I'd be getting out. I would. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he basically says, look, you know, I was scared to death. I just needed to get out of there, basically. Um, so the Williamsons and the servant, they are buried and they get buried at old St. Paul's church in Shadwell. Um, now, as I say, there was a reward, the reward keeps going up and the reward was taken by the owners of an inn called the Pear Tree Inn, which is just down the road. And they say that there was a German sailor who left this big bag of tools in the inn and said, will you look after these tools? And on every piece, on every tool, there was the initials. And actually they found out that it was JP, not IP at this point. So all on every single tool was JP. So we know that this mall that was used in the first attack was part of this collection and came from the pear tree inn this is where they look towards a man 
called John Williams, who they knew was staying at the Pear Tree Inn. He was about 27, so late 20s, a seafaring man. We know that he was on a ship. He sailed on a ship um, at some point with the landlord of the pub, who used to be a sailor, and also um, Mr. Marr, who previously, before owning a linen shop, was also a sailor. So there could have been a connection there. People were a little bit iffy about him because he seemed like a wealthy gentleman, but he was living a poor man's life. Right. Okay. And he originally said to the policeman that he didn't have any money. But then when they looked in his pockets, he actually had silver. So they questioned why he lied about that and eventually said, oh, it's because um, I pawned some some of my shoes. And then they questioned, well, why did you pawn your shoes? And they never actually found or from what I, I gather, they never actually went to the pawn shop and got those shoes or kind of okay. questioned that anymore. Kind of got to the bottom of it, yeah. yeah. He was in the pub. He went to the pub the night of the murder in the pub. Um, he said that he got on very well with the Williamsons and actually um, the woman, uh, Mrs. Williamson, kind of like touched his face that night and kind of uh, said something in a motherly way. He said that he saw them as their friends. He did have a leg injury, so this could be oh. the the limp, the lame, the lame leg, you know, yeah. with the two people going up the road. Um, so there was lots of uh, attack towards and, this guy. So do we know why it was JP on the tools when he was John Williams? So the German sailor, his initials were JP. Oh, okay. So who was John yeah. Williams then? Did I get confused? John Williams. You said you said the 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 John Williams. Oh yeah, sorry. So John Williams is um is the guy that stayed at the Pear Tree Inn. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting very confused. Okay, fine. Yep. And because sorry. he stayed at the Pear Tree Inn and he was a dodgy character, he could have been close. Well, he was close to the tools. He could have grabbed that maul out of the bag and I used see. it in the first murder. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, he was incarcerated in a prison in Clerkenwell, which we spoke of a couple. Seriously, that keeps coming back up. Seriously. Um, But he was found hanged in his cell, which is really strange because um, it seemed like it was suicide. But the night before, he was really jovial and he was saying how he was confident that he was going to get off. And he was talking about all the different things that he was going to do in London over the next couple of weeks. So some believe that perhaps he was actually killed. Silenced. Now, because he took his own life, um, they kind of saw that he cheated his fate in terms of the eyes of the law. Okay. So um, something horrific uh, happened to his body. So his body, this is New Year's Eve. His body was... His story is is bonkers. I can't believe it's sort of... Well, it's going on and on. Like, well, wait. I mean, I'm nearly done, but um, just wait for this. So his body was kind of nailed to a board of wood, and it was paraded on New Year's Eve, eleven o'clock in the morning, around the area of Wapping and Shadwell. Um, it was tilted so that people could see his body, and there was a bit of wood at the bottom of the board so that his body wouldn't kind of slip down. If you yeah. see what I mean. Yeah. 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 They stopped outside the Mars house and they stopped outside the King's Arms where these murders took place. This is gruesome. 180,000 spectators, they <gasps> believe. 180,000 spectators. What? Yeah, it's just mad. The streets were just absolutely packed. Now, if you took your own life, you could not be buried in consecrated ground. Mm, yeah. So... If you go down to Shadwell, you'll find Cable Street and you'll Mm -hmm. find Cannon Street. And you've got crossroads there. In the crossroads, they dug a hole. They placed a stake through his heart. What? Yeah. And this was so that his restless soul, well, it kind of, um, it stopped uh, his restless soul from wandering off. Oh, my God. And the hole that they dug was small. It was kind of a little bit smaller than his body so that he would be uncomfortable even in death. (laughs) They placed him down there, head first, so head first and feet up, so vertical. They're taking all precautions, aren't they? Yeah. Put quicklime in there and covered it up. In 1886, a gas company was asked to, to put some new gas lines 
right. underneath. And his skeleton was found with the stake. And this is on the crossroads of Cable and Cannon Street. Because before that, there were, you know, because this is obviously, this is 1886 when his body was found, the skeleton was found. Yeah. This is 1811. So, you know, it's quite a long time. So people could have been like, did that actually happen? Was that hearsay? But in 1886, they actually find the skeleton. Oh, my goodness. That is bonkers isn't it that is absolutely bonkers so do we think that they actually got the right guy i don't know because somebody after his death suddenly even more so lots of people coming forward kind of saying oh he did this and he did that and uh, although somebody else came forward and said i've got an alibi for him he was actually with me that night oh really um and it and there were a few other suspects that uh, that they didn't look at enough that were just quite iffy. Um, but I think because there was so much pressure on the the Thames police and the constables at the time to find someone and to kind of stop people's fear. Yeah. Do a something. Bit. Yeah, even if even if it's not the actual solution, it's the solution that people are kind of given. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. So so there you go, guys. That's so, unbelievable. Yeah, if you go to the crossroads. It's pretty eerie, actually. And, and actually, also, that is very close to the church, St. George in the, in the East, where oh yeah, it's just those victims are buried. Where, where the first victims are buried, yeah. And St. John, wow. uh, St. Paul's, Shadwell. It's not the original St. Paul's, St. Paul's Shadwell, but um, it's on the grounds of the original oh one where the others goodness. were buried. That is... Um, that, what a story. Yeah. You love a gory story, oh, but that I is... a gory story. So they kind of, they just went, yeah, that's, we've got him, that's fine. Yeah, and and the the tall limpy man was never was never found. The German yeah. sailor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, that's creepy. That's Especially creepy. yeah, because the German sailor, you know, eventually would have come back and said, "All right, I need to pick up my tools." And yeah. Be like, "I'll oh, just let you know." There's like a there's a maul missing. There's only a lump hammer <laughs> that's gone because it's down the neck. Yeah. Wow. And I wonder where that maul is now. I wonder if it's in the Thames Police because it, it they wouldn't have got be. rid of it. No, because the Thames no. police, they do have a little museum there. They do have can, a museum. You can see uh, a if you sort of make an appointment. Hmm. Um, so ooh, I think I think yet another little Ladies in London road trip is in order. Mm. I think we need to go. Yes. We'll go and do it. Oh, amazing story. Amazing story. Thank you, Em. Oh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, the story I'm going to tell is one that was requested by one of our listeners Adam Turnbull who bless him requested it all the way back in August and I said yeah we'll pop it on the list and when we get a spot we can talk about it and then I kind of forgot to do it because it it can be linked to so many places and then as we're coming closer to Halloween I was like yeah that's the one and it's the story of Spring-Heeled Jack do you know anything about Spring-Heeled Jack? Don't I don't know anything about him. So he's kind of like an urban myth type character who for about 60 years terrorized not just london but england which is pretty impressive you know um he was now get this he he was basically a fire breathing part man part devil who could jump from sort of the floor to the rooftop in one bound uh your your little face you're like what (laughs) sorry I know, I know. It's it's as it's as bonkers as it sounds. And he was always kind of a bit of a you know, it was always like a legendary thing. But then stories start to fly around a little bit. And this is just after the story you've told. So you were eighteen eleven, weren't you? Yeah. This is eighteen thirty seven okay. when we start to find the first kind of stories of because he's sort of the 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 story of like a sort of devil creature has been like flying around in kind of mythology type thing, but never really stuck and hasn't had the name Spring Hill Jack up until this point. And then in 1837, certain areas of London, predominantly kind of in the south bit of London, like kind of Clapham Way, um, people start being harassed by some kind of sort of presence or creature and they they people describe it differently like a ghost an imp a devil um Mm. some say he's in the shape of a large white bull or a bear oh one woman in hammersmith even says he's an immense baboon he's six feet tall Um, (gasps) and so they're actually they're physically seeing well i mean yes but what he tends to do is he, he he seems mainly to attack women 
Um, Does he? Yes. He's got a type. He's got a type, yeah. He's got an (laughs) MO. And he kind of, you know, the monster would ring the doorbell and then attack whoever it is that answered and would. He he was reported to have these sort of metallic claws who would shred their clothes and and all kinds of things. In in Clapham, there's one woman who gets assaulted by some sort of flying creature, kind of a figure. And a servant girl in Barnes is. I just love it. The news report was that she was so terrified by something she saw. That's all the information we get. It's great. I love it. God. Well, it um, sounds like Edward Scissorhands. Well, yes, a little bit. Now, this is where it kind of... So the, the stories really start to kick off in 1838 with a lady called Jane Allsop. And she lives in a, in a lane that I love the name of. It's called Bearbinder Lane. Oh. And what's happened here? So there has been um, a little bit of, uh, you know chat in the press about some kind of creature um he's usually flying and all this sort of thing and the newspapers get hold of it and most of them are kind of a bit skeptical and all this sort of thing but the rumors start to build and you know how victorians love a gossip and they love yes they do and the lord mayor of london even comes out in 1838 to kind of address these rumors and he says oh i reckon it's just a load of you know rich men having having some fun having some stupid fun and he gives out a reward of 10 pounds which is about 800 pounds nowadays for catching wow. him mm. doesn't stop it the legend starts growing and the papers report it more and more and the, a lot of the reports involve him kind of leaping onto or leaping away from his victims and so the name springhill jack starts to appear mm. so and it is jack it's weird isn't it because you've got Jack the Ripper. Yeah, and I think I wonder if the name Jack because you know you've got the very the famous phrase Jack of all trades and it mm. basically Jack was sort of um and there's loads of phrases like um you know all men jack of him and Jack the name Jack turns up a lot and it in Victorian times it, it seems at any rate that Jack was sort of your go-to name for somebody who didn't have a name if that makes sense. Okay. The way that now if you said to somebody um you know or you, somebody somebody would say oh Joe Bloggs or like um, Karen in the office. You know, everyone says Karen. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You know, because there's that phrase as well, oh, I'm all right, Jack. You know, it's that sort of yes. Jack is like a familial yeah. name for yeah. for someone or something that doesn't kind of have uh, a name that you're aware of. So, yeah, Jack is that sort of thing. So th- this Jane Allsop lady, now she, someone comes <laughs> bashing on her door one night pretending to be a policeman says a policeman he's shouting that he's caught jack and because the lord mayor has given out a reward you know there's loads of people sort of saying oh i've caught jack uh, spring spring hill jack and she goes to the door she brings a candle for him she goes to the door and when she goes out of her door and across the road to him he turns around and he ble- breathes blue flames in her face <gasps> I know. And then he starts coming at her with what she said was metal claws and starts like kind of clawing at her and shredding her clothes and all this kind of thing. Shredding her clothes. Wait, hang on a minute. So she's left her house. Yeah, in 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 night. So she's in, you know, whatever kind of nightgown type thing. Yeah, something like that. And this chap with a candle. With a candle because this guy's gone, I've I've caught Jack, bring me light, you know, I need some help. So she's gone out with a candle for him. And his and he breathes blue Gosh, flame. Well, she says late, later on that he says, it says <laughs> she describes him as having fiery red eyes and vomiting blue and white flames. Vomiting blue Vom- and white flames. <laughs> this is like a bad British gas advert. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's less, car- less scary, more caricature, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so anyway, so when he starts kind of clawing at her, she, she turns and she runs terrified back towards her house. And he's well, following you would, her. Wouldn't you? Well, you would, yeah. You'd be like, well, why do you, why do you need the candle? We've got enough. <laughs> You've got enough flame for everyone. The whole street. <laughs> so she starts running back and he's busy start clawing at her with these metal oh claws. Gosh. And when they get to the house, her family have heard her screaming. So they come down and they set upon him. Like they start bashing him. Because they can physically see him. They can all see him. It's not just her And then what happens is he apparently leaps up and flies away. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Now, what... It's like an angry version of Batman. It kind of is. But you say that. So... (laughs) (laughs) Is it actually a dog? Well, no, it's not. But she she gives um, a a report to the police afterwards about what he looked like. And her family corroborate this. So she says, apart from this red fiery eyes and the vomiting flame thing, she says he's wearing a kind of, I know, a kind of helmet and a tight-fitting white costume like an oil skin. So he sounds a bit like a rubbish... (laughs) Pretty terrible, (laughs) terrible version of Batman. 
Wait, now, hang on a minute. So it's got a helmet. It's got a white. What has he got on? Like a, <laughs> a, a white skin tight kind of costume thing that she said like looks a white like an oil skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He sounds yeah. fabulous. I, I mean, wouldn't does, have ran. I would have been like, come in for a cup of tea. Does sound like a slightly violent drag queen, doesn't it? It's amazing. Do you want some level drizzle, gay? <laughs> um, so anyway, so the, the police are called, obviously, and they they basically say, oh, she's so scared that this somebody's attacked her and she's mistaken him for this Spring Hill Jack guy, and no one is ever brought to justice for it. <gasps> but it's quite a full on account, isn't it? It's quite. There's quite a lot to take in there. <laughs> just the the vomiting of the blue flames. I'm yeah. just trying to get that in my head. Like, well, so that's her. Exp- I mean, I I kind of imagine it a bit like he probably um, breathed, and the candle just moved towards her face. Yeah, I mean, I sort of imagine it a little bit like, um, uh, you know, something from Lord of the Rings where it's just sort of on fire. That I don't know, but yeah, that's what she's saying. Which um, is like a little gas lamp in his in his in his mouth. <laughs> anyway, so it's quite a full-on account. This gets in the press, and of course, the stories start to grow. And a few days later, there's another lady called Lucy Scales, and she's over in Limehouse, so she's on the uh, in a different spot. And she says that a man jumps out at her and <laughs> blows blue flames in her face again. So it's these blue Gosh. flames. Where is he getting these blue flames? I don't know. Well, it's just him, isn't it? Maybe he? it's like on a fan, you know, like a handheld fan. And it's just got like blue bits of fabric. <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm maybe, like, maybe over-egging the pudding there slightly. I love it. I love that idea, though. <laughs> this is a great Halloween Halloween costume, Spring yeah. Jack. Um, and she has some kind of seizure of some description. <laughs> I know. Like this is the thing. It starts getting in the paper that Spring Hill Jack is jumping out at people and causing people to, you know, have seizures and faint and, you know, all kinds of stuff. <gasps> and and but some of her friends do say that she had just been reading Jane's account in the paper. So you know, Oh, okay. But, and I, I bet it's a bit like lots of people suddenly are wanting to be this person. So people were, you know, getting tinfoil from their mum's kitchen and making some kind of like strange gangly kind well, of nails. This, this is kind of it. And and there is a little bit of, of um, thought that maybe it is a group of, they always say it's like kind of well-heeled or rich gentlemen or men um, having some fun, which to be fair, there's probably quite a bit of truth in that. But anyway... So ah, it sounds like I mean it's quite theatrical. It sounds it, like there's a lot of kind of pyrotechnics. There's involved a lot happening, and... isn't there? <laughs> so these two stories are the first to be the most central in London. So everything up until now has been in little villages outside, like Peckham. There was a few attacks in Peckham, um, which was not London at the time. That was a village outside London, and it's um, Lucy and Jane's uh, testimonials that give him the image that sort of it will endure for the next kind of 60 years and on into into the future to be honest which is of kind of like a gentlemanly devil i mean it's it's kind of bonkers and so all these stories coming in from around the place have a variety of different things they say he's a kind of demonic creature with eyes like balls of fire he's got hands like icy claws that the metal claws comes up quite a bit he's seen kind of bounding from rooftop to rooftop and from rooftop to cobbles and back again um, often there's kind of wings or cloaks are being talked about. Sometimes he's wearing oh, red shoes. Sometimes he's wearing red armor. shoes. Louboutins. Exactly. <laughs> so, see, told you it was a drag queen. Told you. Definitely a drag queen. Did he ever so, speak? Did anyone ever get his voice? Well, you can't when you're vomiting flame, can you? <laughs> True. Not, not that I found, no. But then he starts to kind of spread a little bit further. And in the 1850s and 60s, he appears all over England. The Midlands is a particular hot spot for him. This is actually bonkers. Is there a oh, picture? Yeah. Like a oh, yeah, there's, so there's loads of pictures. They they all pop up in those, you know, those kind of penny dreadfuls, the little kind oh, of yes. slightly horror horror um, things that you'd pay a penny for. He is a popular Per, or, or creature in the Penny Dreadfuls. So it's kind of the Penny Dreadfuls that oh really... Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just looking at a picture and it is bonkers. Yeah, it's bonkers. Oh, my gosh. It's in this one, bonkers. he's got like bat wings. Yeah. And leather black boots with yep. white chinos. <laughs> Told you. It's, a, it's like a white cat suit. Oh, my God. It's quite hot, actually. <laughs> I we found your new man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like you know, those images that you'll see um, come from these penny dreadfuls. So we'll put some on the um, on the show notes for this as Definitely. well, which we'll um, we'll link into the, the description <sighs> this of the show. Is hilarious. In your, in your um, podcast provider, but um, 
Yeah, it's the kind of thing that, that you know how in the US people um, you say to the kids oh the bogeyman will get you well he's kind of the bogeyman of the time so adults are saying you know if you, if you don't behave yourself Spring Hill Jack will come and get Spring you Hill Jack's going to come and get you all of that and and the Penny Dreadfuls it's quite possible that it's these guys that sort of start the stories of all the bouncing around because some of these don't really come up before the 1860s and only one news story mentions um, springing boots and jumping before then so you know and there's a there's a piece in the Illustrated Police News, which to all intents and purposes was a slightly upgraded Penny Dreadful. And it mentions springs in his boots and that he could jump to a height of 15 or 20 feet. 15 or 20 feet? Yeah. That's half the uh, half the, the height of the beer flood. It's half about 40 feet. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Half the beer flood. Wow. I mean, that <laughs> everything is, pretty... is now in beer floods for you, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so is... so he, he starts to kind of... Yeah, his his thing starts to spread. And so you can see he's kind of mythical and but people obviously getting attacked and, and all anyway. And in eighteen seventy people getting really hurt, or are they just getting like Well nobody teased. seems to be killed. There are, you know, stories of clothes being slashed and, and I don't know whether or not, you know, ever blood was any it was ever drawn or anything like that. I don't know. Um I've never come across any murders or any sort of significant injuries. Although um, um, Jane Alsop, she said that she was basically being strangled in her own home. So, I mean, who knows? But um, they corner him in Lincoln in 1870. Townsfolk oh. are, are find, find him in the street and they're quite cross <gasps> about this, you know. And so they shot at him. <gasps> and what he did is very, a bit like Jim Carrey in, in The Mask. He, he laughed and sort of, bounds away and they see him get this jumping over fences and small buildings as he goes what like dog kennels (laughs) i think probably like you know barns and stuff like that as he's sort of bouncing off into the jesus there's i'm looking at a picture online and it's got lots of people like soldiers wearing uh, blue and red with Mm. huge guns shooting up at him ah yes now that's in 1870 um the army actually set a trap to catch him because he had this this Spring Hill Jack had bounced onto the roof of the sentry box in um, Aldershot, which was a uh, an army you know, <laughs> post, and they'd, he'd scared the life out of them. And so they set a trap for him and several of them claimed that they shot him, but they, yeah, there was no effect on him. So it's some kind of like mass, I don't know, delirium that's going on that these people How are kind of seeing. How is he doing it? it? How is he leaping like this? Well, he's magic, isn't he? He's, he's, he's part devil. I mean, that's that's what they do. Um, and I wonder if he's just like, you know, he takes all of his stuff off and he's just like, you know, <laughs> like Clive who it. works in the library with and, you know, it's like Clark flames. Kent and then, you know, suddenly something comes over him and all he puts on these springs. <laughs> it's just so peculiar. I love it that it's the springs that's taken you most, even more than the vomiting blue white flames <laughs> well, like, and the fiery I mean, red eyes. That, the fiery red eyes. Well, I because I'm convinced that he did the whole um, fan with the little blue pieces of fabric. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the, it's the leaping the, over The electric bars. fan, yeah, the electric, the electric fan in the fan. 1860s, yeah. No, it's a little thing. kind of, um, <laughs> he has to like wind it up at the back. <laughs> It takes quite a lot of effort. Oh, Emily, this is amazing. Um, so people decide that mm. stuff needs to be done, right? So these centuries have had a pop at trying to get him. Um, the Duke of Wellington, who is nearly 70, goes out on horseback to try and hunt and kill him as well. <laughs> so they are literally sending people out, even poor old poor old Welly, who is, you know, knocking on in years. And they're like, go on, off you go. You can get him. Go on, go on, Welly. Just hilarious. Now, some people suspect um, a chap called the Marquis of Waterford. He has been branded the Mad Marquis because he was, um, uh, he he basically was a bit of a drunkard and he used to get into all sorts of scrapes and he he was considered quite a wild, not violent, but wild. Uh, And they'd given him the name of the Mad Marquis. And um, he was apparently the person behind. The, uh, the phrase painting the town red so clearly oh. he's up to stuff oh. and you know he's but so there's a theory that it's him and there's a servant boy who escapes from jack in south london and he says that when he he escaped from from spring hill jack um that there was an like this kind of crest on 
the costume, I guess this sort of white cat suit, <laughs> which included the letter W. And people were like, well, clearly it's Waterford. Um, but that doesn't actually appear in the newspapers of a time. It's possibly a, a reverse engineered fiction to support the story. Anyway, we don't quite know. But he, so he pops up in, well, really 1837 is when he starts. And the last time he's seen is in 1904. Oh gosh! Okay, so he's around for sixty, seventy he's years. Over. How has he escaped? Well, I guess he's got he's got the spring boots. He's the devil, Emily. He's he's, he's the told devil. You, he's the devil. He can escape. Gosh! And in nineteen oh four, he was seen at Everton in Liverpool on and a train. He, yeah, just you know, having a coffee at Pret. <laughs> the paper. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Suddenly, like you see these like claws, hey, just like clawing the back Jack? of the. <laughs> Back of the paper, <laughs> be like, "Oh my god!" No, he is. He is true to form. He's seen bounding up the streets, and he's kind of again leaping from the from the floor to the rooftops and back down again. And a couple of well, frankly must be getting on at this point. Well, you'd think so. And a couple of very frankly very brave locals cornered him in a little street, <gasps> and he kind of cackled at them and then vanished into darkness, and he's never been seen again. Alex, yeah. Don't, you? <laughs> <you>. <laughs> Don't! I can't handle it. <laughs> you just been uh, on the. Oh, well, you know. Oh, I'll take what I'm given. Table. Oh my! Well, there we go. Gosh. That is Springheeled Jack. So kind of this. This. It's I mean, a really it, spooky image. Like, what would you do? Cr- I mean. <laughs> we have made him sound like a drag queen. I don't think we've really upped the spook factor on that. He does. But, I mean. The fiery eyes, the the flames from his mouth, and I mean, just be a bit freaky if you came face to face with him in a like because his trousers are so tight. That's <laughs> 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 what you're. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're focusing too much on the costume. And, you know what and he looks like? The... He looks like Freddie Mercury <laughs> in yes. the images. He looks yeah, like he Freddie Mercury. There's one where he's like bat wings are just like lifting somebody yep. up. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, we'll pop some pictures of him um on the blog or on the uh, the show notes. But he's he's really intriguing and I I just love how I mean the majority of, of kind of all this info about him has probably been reverse engineered the the longer that you know all this went on. But so he, he hasn't been seen since 1904, but he still kind of uh, wheedles his way into, well, well, maybe, um, but he still kind of wheedles his way into modern culture because he's popped up in a few films. And Philip Pullman has actually written a book called spring Jack. Oh. Yeah. For, for I think it's for kids. Um, kids? So, I mean, it's not <laughs> <laughs> to give them it is, for, it is for kids but it, i think it's not quite as as uh i think it's for kids i might, I might be wrong there um but yeah he's called it's called spring hill jack and so there's a few places where um and kind of he's quite a big image in sort of the steampunk um movement you know, you know the steampunk can, thing which is a great that. i love mm-hmm. i love the steampunk look um but he's quite a yeah quite a, a figure in that so people will often sort of um do spring hill jack as a steampunk costume Gosh, I mean, because I'd understand this kind of costume in the 21st century because there are mechanics, there are physical ways to give the illusion of flames and red eyes and for it to look pretty kind of like, you know, pretty realistic. But back then, in the (laughs) mid-1800s, for a woman to be like, oh! What happened, Margaret? But you can oh, imagine. I mean, guy. what? But what is she saying? Like, if if we Sitting saw that fire. today, okay, we'd probably be terrified. But we'd also go, "Hey, that's a really great costume." Yeah. But you know, if she honestly believed that she saw a face with fiery red eyes and flames like coming out of its mouth, at like her clothes, yeah, ripping with with metal claws. I mean, you would, I, you would just, I'd die of fright on the spot. I think. You would. It's not. It's not something that you'd even have seen referenced in. I mean, now you just get your phone and be like, "Oh my god, I'm dying!" But I need yeah. to take some photos. <laughs> would you? <laughs> I'd be screaming blue murder. <laughs> Jack, could you do I... that kind of spring thing? Just <laughs> saying, I'm going to get it on boomerang. <laughs> I'm frightened very easily. I would not be hanging around for that. Um, so there is, there, is there a movie? You said there's a book. There's but... not a movie that I'm aware oh of. I think god. he pops up in in bits of movies occasionally as sort of 
Um, I might be wrong, but I, I was I got my head Limehouse Golem, but I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. Um, I feel like we need to go trick or treating on Sunday, and okay. we need to both go Spring Hill Jack. Spring Hill Jack, let's do it. I'm up for it. Can we make this happen? Yeah, let's make it happen. <laughs> we need to get some tight white chinos. Yes, I'll look really good in them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can be the Duke of Wellington on horseback. Okay, I'll come and hunt, hunt you and kill you. <laughs> and I'll spring over the top of you. <laughs> Tickle, tickle your bottom with my um, <laughs> with my metallic, um, uh, what's it called? Claws. Yes, but I won't have claws. I'll use um, a spatula or Kitchen two. Kitchen roll. <laughs> Kitchen um, um, utensils. Yeah. Well, so there we go. If anyone's around uh, Rotherhithe on Sunday night and you're looking for somebody tickling my bottom <laughs> with a spatula, it'll be me and Emily. <laughs> Oh, oh my god well wow, that's it for this week we i think go. isn't it because yeah. we haven't got um uh oh well we do need to spin the wheel because it's your oh, we do need to spin the yeah, wheel yeah we do need to do that um is there anything you want to let people know about before we do that no just um available for <laughs> just around generally <laughs> just available Not available for sketches i've recently mm. done um, a couple for a few people. Yeah, um, some nice like wedding gifts and things. So yeah, if there's uh, anything you want me to do for a Christmas present for someone, just just get in touch. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you? I'm just going to give a shout out for my Christmas tours, which are yes. um, starting to book up. And um, I've got, I think I've, I've got four dates now. Um, and it's Christmas lights. So we go around the Mayfair area. We look at some of the history of um, some of the places and the different lights they've done in the past. And we try and um, include some of the, the, the best bits. So if you want to come and really do Christmas lights and get the most out of, uh, you know, knowing where they are and, and getting the best picks, come along. It's only £15 per person. And um, it's going to be great. We did it last year. In fact, I did a virtual one last year because it was all in lockdown. Um, but this year you can come and do it for real. What are your dates, Alex? I'm going to come that on. That is I'm a come good on question. Uh, the dates are, and I've sort of moved it around with days and um, times as well. So the first one is um, the 4th of November at 5 o'clock. Well, so just next next week, really. Uh no, sorry, 4th of December. I'm going mad. 4th of December. Oh, I was say. <laughs> yeah, 4th of December at, nine o'clock, uh, at 5 o'clock. Yeah. Then I've got um, the 19th of December at 6.30. Yeah. And then I've got the 21st of December. Mm-hmm. Actually, sorry. No, the, the 19th of December is at 5 now. Sorry, I changed that. Um, the 21st of December at 6.30 and the 23rd of December at 4. Um, oh, and they're an 23rd. hour and a half. Okay. Hour and a half. Um, just pop along and um, let's get some Christmas lights and festive yeah. cheer going. Because we definitely need it this year after missing out last year. Amazing. No, I'm definitely going to come to one. Can I bring Carmen? Of course you can. Yep. If she kicks off, I'll just go down the side That's street. <laughs> <laughs> the Wheel of Destiny. So, have you got the wheel? I've got the wheel. Have you got Fabulous. the time? Uh, yes. What? Well, I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> okay. Okay, off we go. Um, oh oh this is a good one we've landed in fleet street oh we haven't been there for a while we haven't been there for a while what do we oh i did did the river johnson we did the river fleet i did dr johnson okay so you've got uh we've got the pub sweeney todd if you want to keep the halloween thing going oh that's true um got quite a lot of education around there Newspapers, churches, royal courts of justice, or oh, newspapers. Oh, actually, I know what's opposite the royal courts of justice. A little tea shop. Oh, Twinings. Shall I do Twinings? Do Twinings tea. We do tea yes. history. Yeah. Let's go from one one extreme to the other. Yes. Let's go from from um, fire breathing, <laughs> oil skinned <laughs> drag queens to a gentleman yes. of tea. Murder right. to a cup of tea. So I, I could murder a cup of tea. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Clever. Um, yeah, perfect. Okay, all right. Oh. I'm going to do Twinings. The history of Twinings. All right. Same time, same place. Same time, same place, babes. Fab, thanks all for listening. Thanks, guys. Make sure you don't say Spring Hill Jack three times in the mirror. Oh. 
I'm going to try that. No, I'm not. Because <laughs> Alex and I will appear. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't want that. <laughs> you don't want that. Um, feel free to please go and give us a little review on uh, on iTunes. We'd love a five star review. That'd be amazing. Oh, we would love a five star um, review. Because we're trying to trying to find more people. We're doing loads of Twittery stuff as well. So please come and yes, uh, give us a little review. Even if you reviewed it once, you can review every episode. So come and review uh, again and uh, help us help us find more people. Yeah, please. There we go. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks so much, guys. Happy Halloween. Bye.